Book Two, Chapter Two of the New Republic by William Hurl Mallock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. The blinds were half down at luncheon in the dining room to keep out the brilliant summer sun. The guests dropped in by ones and twos, somewhat tired and exhausted by the divine service of the morning and the sight of the table was not a little refreshing to them as it shone whitely in the soft gloom with its flowers and ferns and its daylit glimmer of glass and silver soon however a piece of news was circulated that was even more refreshing than the luncheon dr jenkinson owing to his late exertions and the gaslight and the draughts upon the stage was suffering from a headache which inclined him to keep his room and accordingly an unhoped-for prospect of freely discussing the sermon dawned brightly upon the whole party mr stockton who had been much struck with the strictly prosaic style of dr jenkinson's discourse and who had been secretly contrasting this with the more impassioned character of his own mind was the first to begin the sermon was perhaps ingenious he said turning to lady ambrose but i'm afraid our friend's forte is certainly not poetry surely said donald gordon with extreme solemnity of manner and only a slight twinkle in his eye his forte is something far better poetry can only make us happy for a little while such doctrines as we have heard this morning ought to make us happy always as for lady ambrose to whom both these remarks were addressed she was in doubt what altogether to think of the matter more than half her heart inclined her to look upon dr jenkinson as a valuable ally but there was yet all the while a fatal something that whispered to her a vague distrust of him she was therefore waiting anxiously to hear what would be said by others before taking any side herself her mind all the while being busy with the profoundest questions this suspense of judgment produced a certain gravity and depression in her which was visible on her face and which seemed to communicate itself to nearly every one at her end of the table for lady ambrose was a communicative woman her spirits good or bad were generally caught by those near her as for mr herbert however no one else seemed needed to depress him low slow and melancholy his accents at once caught the ear of lady ambrose i have heard to-day he said to mrs sinclair who was sitting next to him an entirely new and in every way memorable doctrine which i never heard before from the mouth of man woman or child nor can i tell by what steps any human being could have arrived at it i have heard that the world the world as it is could not be better than it is that there is no real sorrow in it no real evil no real sin poor dr jenkinson said mrs sinclair also in a melancholy voice i suppose he has never loved ah exclaimed mr stockton his voice was melancholy as well the whole teachings of that school have always seemed to me nothing more than a few fragments of science imperfectly understood obscured by a few fragments of christianity imperfectly remembered 
you forget said leslie that dr jenkinson's christianity is really a new firm trading under an old name and trying to purchase the goodwill of the former establishment lady ambrose who had not liked leslie so much on further acquaintance as she had at first expected she should was very indignant at him for so flippant a speech as this she felt sure it was flippant though she did not quite understand its meaning but once again mr herbert's grave accents arrested her it is simply he was saying to mrs sinclair evidently alluding to the same subject it is simply our modern atheism trying to hide its own nakedness for the benefit of the more prudish part of the public in the cast grave clothes of a christ who whether he be risen or no is very certainly as the angel said not here all discussion of such matters seems to me but a deceased activity said mr rose raising languidly a white deprecating hand mr storks too though for different reasons was apparently of the same opinion in his main point he said with a severe dogmatism that seemed designed to end all further controversy and putting aside his quasi-religious manner of expressing it which considered his position may be pardoned i conceive dr jenkinson to have been entirely right hitherto lady ambrose's views had been wavering to and fro in a sad uncertainty but now her mind at once cleared her worst suspicions of the doctor were confirmed by this fatal commendation the gloom on her face deepened and she had a look almost of distress about her as she turned to lawrence you look tired he said to her no said lady ambrose wearily at least perhaps i am a little do you know i always think one feels rather dull if one doesn't get the letters one expects perhaps you don't know said lawrence that the letters you got this morning were only those of last night's post our sunday letters we are obliged to send for and they don't generally come till later on in the day really exclaimed lady ambrose with surprise as a smile slowly spread over her face and her frank eyes lit up again the duchess couldn't have forgotten it she said to herself half-consciously strangely enough a new warmth it seemed had dawned upon her and her ice-bound gloom began to thaw to thaw only however not to evaporate it did not go it only became voluble do you know mr lawrence she began i have been thinking over and over again about many of the things that were said last night and i really am afraid that the world is getting very bad it is very sad to think so but with all this infidelity and wickedness of which we hear so much i am afraid it is true for my own part you know there is nothing i dislike so much as to hear the bible profanely spoken about though of course i know one is tempted sometimes to make jokes out of it oneself and then lady ambrose added her ideas did not always follow one another in strictest order hardly a week passes without some new scandal i had a letter only this morning telling me all the particulars about colonel eardley and poor lady arthur 
and that man you know just fancy it it will not be very long before we shall be obliged to receive him again however said lady ambrose with a slightly more cheerful accent that sort of thing i believe is confined to us the middle classes are all right at least one always hears so at this moment lord allen's voice was heard but now lady ambrose went on to lawrence very slightly moving her head in the direction of lord allen and speaking in a low tone how different he is lady ambrose had the greatest admiration for lord allen though her acquaintance with him had hitherto been of the slightest and lawrence not knowing how to respond to all her late remarks was glad that her attention was thus called elsewhere don't you think allen was saying half addressing himself to mr herbert half to mr luke that though at the present moment things as they are may be worse than they have ever been before there are yet ideas amongst us of things as they might be that are in advance of what has ever been before i know quite well how society is falling to pieces and how all our notions of duty are becoming confused or lost i know too how utterly without any religion we are lady ambrose started at least any religion that one man can express to another and that can enable men to act in concert but still i can't help feeling that in spite of all this a higher class of conceptions both of religion and morality and social relations also is forming itself in the minds of thinking men perfectly true lord allen said mr luke perfectly true it is indeed the very essence of the cultured classes to be beyond their time to have indeed every requisite for making everything better except the practical power as you say what man's life ought to be what true morality is what is true sense and what is true nonsense these are matters never at any time distinguished so truly as by some of us in the latter half of the nineteenth century only unfortunately said mr luke sighing slowly and looking round the table the dense ignorance of the world at large hampers and hinders such men as these so that all that their teaching and their insight can do is only to suggest a utopia in the future instead of leading to any reality in the present all my happiness is in a kind of utopia sighed mrs sinclair yes yes said mr luke wearily so in these days must be the happiness of all of us except that of the world at large mr storks was here heard clearing his throat with an ominous pugilistic smile he turned towards mr luke are you quite sure he said that the reason why your friends do nothing practical is not because they will build utopias i as i have already said entirely hold with dr jenkinson that the world is as good as it can be has indeed been always as good as it could have been has that is been always persistently progressing by one constant course of evolution i don't myself profess to be a student of history but as far as i at all understand its teachings 
the one thing it most clearly shows to us is that what strikes a superficial observer as simply the decadence of old orders of things is really under the surface the birth of the new indeed said mr storks shrugging his shoulders of course it must be so we are all part of nature and little as we think it we are all working together by invincible and inviolable laws nature will have her own way and those who have studied her carefully know that her way is always the best even supposing we could transplant ourselves into some different some more advanced state of society my dear sir do you think we should be any happier there as much happier i suppose as you or i should be if we were translated into the heaven our nurses used to tell us of where nothing was done but the same tate and brady's psalms with the angels to all eternity the air of our own age is the only air fit for us in any other we should languish i languish in this said mr luke looking up to the ceiling scarcely were the words out of his mouth than mr saunders exclaimed in his most excited and shrillest voice i deny it i entirely deny it mr luke was thunderstruck even mr storks was taken aback by the audacity of the contradiction and as for the rest of the company they could not conceive where on earth mr saunders had left his manners mr storks however was still more astonished and still less pleased when he discovered as mr saunders proceeded what was the real meaning of his speech i entirely deny mr saunders went on that the ways of nature are the best ways the belief that they are so is of all fates the one that most obviously contradicts experience did i accept this i could accept anything transubstantiation even i should literally feel i had no right to condemn any doctrine because it was groundless gratuitous and absurd this faith in the goodness of nature why that it is a faith is not that enough to condemn it what but faith let me ask has enslaved and stunted the world hitherto and this particular faith i would remind you which you flatter yourself will oppose religion has been in most cases its child and is always ready to be its parent i on the contrary maintain that far from being the best nature is the most odious of things that the whole universe is constructed on the most hateful principles in fact that out of the primordial atoms only one thing has developed itself in which the good outweighs the evil and that is the one thing that is usually opposed to nature man and to reason of man mr storks turned sharply round and with an awful look in his eyes of contemptuous indignation stared mr saunders into silence he held him fixed in this way for a few moments and then said to him in a voice of grim unconcern may i trouble you for the mustard then again turning to mr luke you see he proceeded what i take to be civilization indeed the whole duty of man is the gradual self-adaptation of the human organism to its environment an adaptation which must take place and any attempts to hinder which are simply neither more nor less than disease 
progress which it is our highest life to further is a thing that will continue despite the opposition of individuals its tendencies are beyond the control of individuals and are to be sought in the spirit of the age at large not if you will forgive me the word in the crotchets of this or that thinker and it seems to me to be the hopeful and distinguishing feature of the present day that men are learning generally to recognize this truth that they are learning not to cry out against progress but to investigate its grand and inevitable laws and submit themselves willingly to them and the tendency of our own day is i am proud to say a tendency towards firm solid verifiable knowledge and as a result of this towards the acquisition of a firm and solid happiness also to me said mr herbert it seems rather that the only hope for the present age lies in the possibility of some individual wiser than the rest getting the necessary power and in the most arbitrary way possible putting a stop to this progress utterly stamping out and obliterating every general tendency peculiar to our own time mr storks will perhaps think me very foolish perhaps i am i freely own that i could more easily tell a good action if i saw it than a good piece of protoplasm and that i think the understanding of a holy moral law by which an individual may live of infinitely more importance than the discovery of all the laws of progress in the world but let mr storks despise me and not be angry with me my dear sir interposed mr storks with a gruff courtesy why should i do either the one or the other because said mr herbert slightly waving his hand and speaking with great emphasis had i only the power i would myself put a forcible stop to all this evolution i would make a clean sweep of all the improvements that the present day so much vaunts i would collect an army of strong serviceable honest workmen and send them to blow up manchester and birmingham and liverpool and leeds and wolverhampton and all the artisans in them asked mr storks well said mr herbert smiling i would perhaps give the artisans notice of this gunpowder plot of mine and yet their existence has always presented a painful difficulty to me for if there is no other life i think they have a very bad time of it here and if there is another life i think that they will all certainly be damned but it is not only manchester and birmingham that i would blow up i would blow up also every anatomical museum in the land save such as were absolutely necessary for the use of professional doctors that the foul sights in them should not taint men's imaginations and give them an appetite for beastly knowledge i would destroy every railway and nearly every steam-engine and i would do a number of other things of a like sort by way of preparing the ground for a better state of society indeed so far am i from believing that an entirely different and better state of society is unthinkable that i believe it to be not impracticable and i am at the present moment collecting money from such as will here and there confide in me for the purpose of purchasing land and of founding a community upon what seems to me to be true and healthful principles a utopia in fact 
in which a trust may be once again realized upon earth those two things to which we are now such strangers order and justice i once began a book about justice said lawrence on the model of plato's republic what is plato's republic said lady ambrose tell me it is a book said lawrence which describes the meeting of a party of friend who fell discussing high topics just as we are doing and amongst others what is justice what exclaimed lady ambrose did not they know that you forget said lawrence that this was very long ago to be sure said lady ambrose and they were of course all heathens well and what conclusions did they come to as to the nature of justice at first said lawrence though socrates himself was amongst them they were all completely at a loss how to define it but at last they hit upon the notion of constructing an ideal perfect state in which of course justice would be lurking somewhere now there are in life plato says four great virtues wisdom courage temperance and justice and no sooner has the ideal state been constructed than it appears that three of these virtues are specially illustrated and embodied each in a particular class of citizens thus wisdom is specially embodied in the theoretical politicians and religious speculators of the day courage is embodied in the practical men who maintain and execute the regulations and orders of the philosophers and temperance is embodied in the commercial and industrial classes who loyally submit themselves to their betters and refrain from meddling in matters that are too high for them and now where is justice in what class is that embodied specially in the judges and the magistrates and the policemen said lady ambrose no said lawrence it is peculiar to no class it resides in all it is that virtue which enables the others to exist and to continue but surely said lady ambrose all that is not what we mean by justice now certainly not said lawrence and my book was designed to investigate what justice is as it exists now i like plato constructed a state making it however a real rather than an ideal picture but when i had done this i could find no earnest thinking class to represent wisdom no class of practical politicians that would carry out even the little wisdom they knew and so represent courage and certainly no commercial or industrial class that would refrain for a single day from meddling in matters that were too high for them and so represent temperance so i analyzed life in a somewhat different way i divided it into happiness misery and justice i then at once discovered that the rich represented all the happiness of which we are now capable and the poor all the misery and that justice was that which set this state of things going and enabled it to continue ah lawrence exclaimed mr herbert clapping his hands gently in sad applause i like that i wish you had worked out this idea more fully suppose exclaimed leslie that we try this afternoon to construct a utopia ourselves 
let us embody our notions of life as it ought to be in a new republic well said lady ambrose i am not a conservative i don't object i'm sure at any rate that there is much we could all of us alter if we only had our own way much said lady grace with severe briskness much said miss merton with a soft half-serious smile much said lord allen catching eagerly at the idea well then said lawrence let us all do our best to give those airy somethings our aspirations a local habitation and a name the majority of the company took very kindly to the proposal lady grace was especially pleased as it seemed to provide at once a whole afternoon's occupation for the party and it was arranged accordingly that as soon as luncheon was over they should adjourn for castle building to a shady spot in the garden End of book two chapter two